G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Quite a controversial conversation coming over this next hour. You might want to lean in a little closer to the radio to pick up some of the finer points of discussion today. As I say, controversial, that may even be an understatement. Some developments today on the idea that there is a race on by some Labor governments around Australia to pass legislation that outlaws the so-called conversion therapy. This week, the ACT government is likely to try and push through what is being described as an anti-conversion bill that's likely to be able to cancel parents' rights to teach their children their beliefs in the home and through their school of choice. Legislation passed through the Queensland Parliament last week, but there are concerns the bill before the ACT government is much more heavy-handed. The description and comparison goes like this. The Queensland bill focused on medical and professional counsellors, But the ACT bill focuses on churches and parents and very much those churches and parents are in the sights of legislators. Well, we're unpacking what it might mean today for children and families if the ACT bill goes through this week. And to talk about these issues, a wonderful privilege to welcome back to 2020 Professor John Whitehall who has been opposing the so-called conversion legislation. He is Professor of Paediatrics with a 50-year career, both here in Australia and across a number of developing countries around the world. Professor John Whitehall, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you. I'm I'm happy to be here. John, your thoughts in general here as we get things underway, the bill before the ACT government, much stronger than the one that passed in Queensland last week. What are your thoughts on that contrast? Well, on paper, yes, it looks much stronger, but uh, the other one, the Queensland one, may be more cunning, more wily. And if you get bitten by a snake, you see, is that any different from one you don't see? Uh, I'm not too sure. But certainly the ACT one uh, is very, it's really the most confrontational uh, that I'm aware of in the world. May may I say, you you introduced me well, saying it's my thoughts. It is my thoughts. I don't represent my... uh, my employer, uh, I, may, I speak for the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship, of which I happen to be national chairman, uh, but not my employer. So yes, to get back to it, I, I do think the ACT one is a shocker of a bill, um, uh, but the other one I think has got uh, hidden menace. Uh, might just say a special honour to the uh, Australian Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship because you have taken up the challenge here as a fellowship to be able to really put things in a right context. And uh, and so it's not just yourself, but there are many doctors uh, and academics around the nation who hold the sorts of opinions that you do, which would uphold a biblical worldview on sexuality. Uh, there are a lot of people in the fellowship, aren't there? Yeah, there's about a thousand of doctors and medical students, but there are many more Christian people who are, in fact, outside the uh, outside the fellowship. But the more we make a public stand, it seems to me, on a number of these issues, uh, so our our membership grows. But we're not the only organisation. You don't have to be a Christian to be offended by the ACT law. Quite, you know, quite the commentary. Um, but uh, we have a special, we have a special involvement. Why is that? Because the Bible says that we should care for children and practice agape, self-sacrificial, committed love to them. Um, but that doesn't mean, for me, I just come back from the children's ward. I didn't get any bolts of information from above, unfortunately, saying you should have diagnosed this and not that. That's where your brain comes in. 
and my brain and my friends' brains it is an intellectual issue why I am opposing this um, draconian hormonal surgical approach to children who are confused about their gender. It's an intellectual opposition. Now, the fact that I keep going, you would have to argue, is yes, the Bible teaches you you pick up the plough by the hand or you can't let it go, but some, often you wish you could. But uh, let me just stress that my my opposition is an intellectual one. Uh, There's plenty of grounds for that. No doubt we'll start talking very shortly around some of the medical issues. But as you say, you're taking an intellectual stance here. And let's bring a comparison in here, a contrast between an intellectual stance and an ideological stance and what it appears to be around these states and territories that are discussing this type of legislation, they are very solidly on an ideological stance, not an intellectual one. Is that the way you describe it? Yes, I I thoroughly agree with that. And the Bible would say, and people would know, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And in this sense... We are fighting about. Uh, we are fighting an ideology, and it's a new ideology, and it's the ideology that there is no such thing as a girl and a boy. Uh, you can move back and forth between those two binary entities, um, and that there should be no constraints upon the orientation or the practice of uh, sex uh, along the way. So, why are they doing that? Well, I think this is a utopian concept. They've said yes to the three temptations that Jesus said no to, basically. Uh, he said the way we are going to transform the, and bring the kingdom is by uh, my death, basically, um, and resurrection. Whereas these people see uh, that mankind can be improved, move closer to a, ho- a happiness um, by, through, by means of this ideology. So I give them full marks for sincerity they really believe uh, that this is the way to make children and ultimately families happy um, this uh, i'll give them that i i will give them that they are concerned um, about the children and want to do best uh, i would say that they are wrong in their diagnosis and wrong in their treatment So it's interesting here, isn't it, because uh, you hold to a deep Christian faith, as do I, and uh, so many of our listeners today hold to that Christian faith. And and we would say that we're actually very predictable when it comes to these sorts of issues because we can talk about a biblical foundation and we can point to the biological facts that attest to the biblical foundation being true. So when someone comes along with something that is left of field and says you're not right what you believe is outdated and now we understand something new it's not as though as christian believers uh, we're not standing on a very solid firm historic foundation here and so being predictable is a good thing any thoughts at all on the strength of conviction that you can have as a christian believer around these ideas that there are boys and there are girls and there are not a fluid in between well, I think that's all meted out in the chromosomes, and according to the chromosomes which you get within a few weeks of conception, uh, then testosterone, the male hormone, begins to be produced, and in accordance with that, the, the genitalia are determined, but also the brain is determined, and ultimately behavior is determined. So very, very early on, the position of an XY, and the Y is is what makes you into a male, or, or you have XX, uh, there's a very, very scientifically based. There's no argument about this. Every cell in your body has either the XX or an XY, except for the very, very few cases in which the chromosomes get mixed up. Now, they're very, very rare. They're not common, like the people are saying, and bring in intersex into it. They're very, very rare. But on the whole, it is a scientific issue. You look at the animals out there, the birds flying around in the sky. We are males and females, according to our chromosomes, in order to reproduce. 
Now, I don't happen to believe in evolution, but if you believed in evolution, it's, it's a natural thing there. If you believe that there was an influence by a creator in who's doing this uh, in order to propagate the species, um, this is logical too. So this is, you know, this was all standard fare until 15 years ago. It would have been preposterous for someone to come and say there's no such thing as a girl and boy everyone would have looked at a person and go well you're a bit funny but now it's moved from from nothing to to passing laws in the ACT to fix it in law as you mentioned I've been a pediatrician for 50 years and more in fact um, in the busy western suburbs of Sydney but also in a number of countries overseas while I was here um, in in Australia, I had a very very busy practice. I was on four public hospitals at one stage. Really, really ran around in circles. In those years, I I did not have one parent come along and say, "Willie thinks he's a girl," or the other way around. Now, people knew about sexual issues. They could say that you know my daughter is behaving in a sexualized manner, and we would talk of that. We all knew about child abuse, but in all those years. No one ever came to me and said, my child thinks he's of the opposite sex. This has just come out of the blue, like uh, like the storm in the uh, Saharan desert, or whatever that's called, rising suddenly. And what's pushing it, I'm not too sure. Uh, but like that great dust storm, if we use that analogy for the first time, I mean, it has victims. And the victims are the increasing number of children. It, this this ideology is being promoted, as you know, as well as I do, in the media and in schools on the so-called safe schools programs and things. Everyone knows about it now. There are little books in libraries and everything. Every kid would know that you don't have to be a boy or a girl. It's just really taken off. And therefore, it's consequential that in, in troubled minds, um, this this goes deeper and they become confused and then then they join the waiting list at a gender uh, a gender clinic okay so <laughs> we've got in the last 15 years the emergence of this ideology and picked up and run with by the media and uh, all sorts of publicity and debates that have been happening in our parliaments and that perhaps and potentially is part of the cause of those cases coming forward now at an increasing accelerated rate uh, to go through this uh, change in gender. Uh, now, I just wanted to just confirm and uh, and affirm what you said. It's not Christians who are out on a limb here with something weird. Because as you say, John Whitehall, uh, Christians believe here in the same scientific evidence that the atheist believes. So that's Christian creationist and the atheistic evolutionist all agree that the biology is all right, that there are male and female. But let me just take you into what's happening, of course, this week in the ACT and uh, some legal advice that I've been able to skim uh, that emanates from the Human Rights Law Alliance, they are saying if passed, the conversion bill will be amongst the most extreme laws banning conversion therapy in the world. The flaws of the bill cannot be remedied by amendment. So what they're seeking to do in the ACT is permanence, uh, not able to be remedied. Uh, what are your thoughts just about how significant uh, these sorts of changes would be if it goes through in the ACT this week? Well, they're, they're very, very significant. Uh, parents then would face, say, 12 months in jail. Parents, teachers, uh, paediatricians. So let's just step back a bit and, say, and work out what, what they are trying to ban by means of this uh, bill with 12 months in jail. It is a confusing term, this term conversion therapy. We need to get that straight. What they are defining conversion therapy is what you are not allowed to do is to convert, that's a bad word, but convert a child back to gender and sexuality as would otherwise be determined by their chromosomes. 
In other words, you've got a boy, he's got XY chromosomes, and he goes to school, he's learned all this stuff, he's watching on the web and everything, he suddenly thinks that he is a girl. Now, you will face 12 months in jail um, if you attempt to convert him back to an identity in accordance with his chromosomes. You can take him the other way, you can take him any number of genders, and they reckon there's 20 of them or whatever, who knows. But you can take him any way you like, legally. But you are forbidden from bringing him back to identity with his natal sex, the sex with which he was born, the sex which is in the chromosomes in every cell in his body. Do, do you understand? That has to be understood. So why are they doing that? Because they say that uh, uh, he's never going to be happy if he, if he doesn't come back, if he d tries to come back. He's only going to be happy if he goes away from his, uh, his chromosomes. And therefore, you must help him do that. Now, this is wrong in the first instance. It's statistically wrong because um, even the Bible, so to speak, of psychiatry, the Diagnostic and Scientific Manual of Mental Health, even it says that something like 80% of these children, confused children over their gender, will orientate back, if you want to use that word, to an identity uh, in accordance with their chromosomes through puberty, full stop. And that's not the only paper, that's, and that's a book that says it, and that's not the only paper. All around, no matter where you look, there's this reassurance, this wonderful statistical reassurance. Really, hang on. If you don't, don't mess things up, if you just support this child, look for the reasons for his confusion. Is the family uh, dis dissolved? And, and that's often the case. Is there mental illness in the parents? That's sometimes the case. Is there mental illness in the child? Is he depressed, anxious, or whatever? Autistic, 20% in some people. What What is going on here to cause this confusion? Is he going to school and he's got his, his authority teacher telling him, you're not really a boy, you're a girl after all. You know, there are all sorts of things that ought to be analyzed in order to make the child comfortable in the skin in which it was born in full expectation this is going to grow out of this problem. Now, that is what would normally happen. This is called a process of sensible, common sense, watchful waiting, help with the family discord if you can, uh, treat the kid for anxiety or depression or whatever, uh, be aware that he might have autistic, but in, in, in the process you can expect that the large majority will get over this through puberty. Now, that's all fact. It's incontrovertible fact that that's going to happen. But what they are saying is that you you will be put in jail if you do that, and you will be the parents will be will be brought to court if they do this in the privacy of their own home. Like there is, the state can interfere within the homes in ACT. It's all there in the law. And if somehow or other it got rumoured that uh, people were trying to make the child comfortable in the skin in which he was born. And there's another subtle, well, this is not subtle, actually, because in other parts of the legislature promoted by, I think, the Victorian Labour Party, they're saying that if you try and curb sexuality by uh, teaching celibacy and restraint... You are also interfering with uh, the natural expression of, of sexuality. So this could mean, it's not my words, but it's all there. This could mean that you've got a troubled teenager and, and the parents, whether they're Christians or not, are trying to advise this child on sexual restraint within the home. This then becomes illegal, and the parents can go to jail for eight, for, for twelve months. Is it extraordinary intrusion? It also, if the if the, you see, let's get on to what they want to do, right? Before we get too further into this, 
what is the alternative? What what alternative are they proposing? We are proposing watchful waiting, psychotherapy, family and individual psychotherapy, treat associated mental illnesses and so forth in expectation it's going to get better. What are they arguing? They are arguing that if you don't put the child onto, if you don't acknowledge and make a social affirmation that he really is a girl, give him a new name, dress and so forth, new toilets at the school, make a poster child out of him and so forth. And if you don't block puberty um, with these special hormones, um, so allegedly you'll give him time in this neutered state, denying him all the natural processes that cause sexuality to develop, that is to say sex hormones and other things, they say that if you can block the puberty, then you'll give the child more time to work out whether he's a girl or a boy and wants to have children. This is just biologically implausible. But you start those things, and they say, not me, this is what they say time and time again, and it's so annoying. They keep saying it. these, these puberty blockers are safe and entirely reversible, safe and entirely reversible. That's not true. The, in in the international literature, um, as, for example, revealed by researchers in Glasgow, and I went to visit these guys, they're giving uh, sheep, uh, you know, sheep around the time of puberty, they're putting on the blockers, they stand back and see what happens. The sheep then donate their brains, it's very generous of them, and they find that the limbic system is in fact enlarged abnormally, and and that the function of hundreds of genes in it are abnormal. What does this mean? You, those children, those sheep that you didn't, you didn't persuade to donate their brains for science, you then get them to walk through the maze. They got confused in the maze compared with everyone else, and they became emotionally labile in the male in the maze. The female sheep were much more sensitive, bleating and yelling and so forth. The males put their head down and charged at the, at the barriers where they had known how to get through before. There was an emotional upset in it. But also, they found, and other people have shown this with other animals, that you put them on the blockers and they show a distinct preference for the familiar, not the novel. What does that mean? Okay, you've put this kid on blockers. You think that, okay, I'm giving him time to work out whether he's a girl or a boy. And you've announced he's a girl. And everyone in the, all the authorities are now saying, yes, you are a, yes, you are a girl. One of the side effects of the blockers, not my research, other people's research, is that the animal shows preference for familiar. So what you're saying is basically you put this kid on blockers, you're telling him he's a girl, you dress him as a girl, and he's not going to want to explore the opposite possibility that he really isn't. Wow. So there are a number of things with the blockers, and we, we haven't got time to go into them, but they are not safe and not reversible, and what they lead to is a cross-sex hormones. In other words, this boy, we're saying is a boy, but really in more teenage girls these days. Wow. So let's go for a teenage girl. So you put the teenage girl on, on male hormones or the teenage boy on female hormones. It was just concentrated on the boy at a minute. The adult male, you put an adult male on female hormones, the brain shrinks at a rate 10 times faster than aging after only four months. Mm-hmm. And these children are going to be on it for the rest of their lives. They never mentioned this side effect. Now, and they say, unless you do this, the child's going to commit suicide. But then they then they don't tell you that the suicide rate in transgendered adults who've gone the whole way, they're on the cross-sex hormones, and they've had their surgery and all that sort of stuff. The girls have had their breasts removed, for example. Everyone's been castrated. They have removed their genitalia, tried to fashion the Earth's appearance of the opposite sex, all that sort of stuff. The suicide rate is 20 to 30 times higher than in the ordinary population. Wow. But they don't tell you that. Yeah. Now, having said that's, that's, what, that's the affirmative treatment, what the ACT legislators, in their wisdom, 
want to do is to mandate that. The parents, the children will have no alternative. They will mandate that. If you stand in the way of that process, if you don't refer a child, or worse, if you try to practice watchful waiting in yourself in the privacy of your home, you'll go to jail. Do you, do you see this? <laughs> when I hear myself talking about it, I've already read this, but when I hear myself, I think, hey, how mad have we got? How well, intrusive. <laughs> it's unbelievable that you would put a parent in jail. And or John, down there, you're gone. When, when we talk parents, we are obviously talking about the primary carer of that child and uh, people who take ultimate responsibility and it goes beyond that too because it overflows then and where we're talking about these sorts of things today that churches are also in the firing line Uh, the idea that churches are teaching these sorts of things which are as we say biological common sense uh, churches won't be able to teach that either and therefore churches outlawed in actually teaching biblical truth Uh, just a couple of minutes up to the news what are your thoughts on that No, it's absolutely. The law says any person, any person who seeks to alter the sexualization of the child will be liable for 12 months in jail. That's any influential adult who stands in the way of or doesn't refer them to a gender clinic or or tries to persuade them otherwise, tries to make them comfortable within their chromosomes, we mentioned, any person will face 12 months in jail. Well, this is our conversation today, and this is what is coming upon the ACT as the ACT government deliberates on these things and, as I understand it, is likely to make a vote on this this week. Let me ask you here about something that's, uh, that is even deeper than some of the things we've already talked about. And for listeners, uh, you'll know that what we've been talking about is very, very serious. But there's this word conversion or convert, which is such a challenging word. Uh, we've been talking about conversion therapy. And, you know, in most people in their mind, they're thinking that's all about Uh, the idea of uh, changing uh, boy to girl uh, in the simplest way to talk about that. But anti-conversion laws have a deeper meaning around the world. And some of our listeners will be very familiar with the idea that some countries have blasphemy laws. And usually that's the protection of one religion against other religious bodies. And uh, listeners will know that where there are blasphemy laws, uh, Christians suffer dramatic persecution. But what we have in the situation in the ACT with what's proposed to be voted on this week is a way to weaponize the law against Christianity. Uh, John, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts about how that weaponizing uh, could be used against Christians and against families in such a way that it is just very similar to those sorts of blasphemy laws that we know of. Any thoughts? Oh, yeah, easy things come to mind. Let's say you're a teenager, right? And a teenager, you're trying to counsel the teenager uh, for sexual restraint and uh, just by that by itself even though there's no issue of the transgendering um, and then you have trouble with that girl or a boy and it's not unknown they can turn on their parents then that couldn't go the child can go out talk with the various groups and say that uh, my parents uh, wanted me uh, to be celibate and they were cruel to me and all that sort of stuff and now they need to be punished. These these things happen. That's a straightforward one. Um, the, the person could, a girl, and it's most commonly these days that it's vulnerable teenage girls who, who are announcing that there are boys. I, I don't know why this is so, but one argument that I've heard, and I think it's not a bad one, is that they're watching uh, pornography and would rather move to the other side, for example. Now, let's say the girl, and, and I'm quoting people that I know, they, they won't mind you, there's no way of working it out, but the girl came home and said, I'm really a boy, um, and I'm upset. Everyone knew that she had was anxious and uh, she was a vulnerable child. And then uh, 
she put it on her Facebook page that uh, I think I'm really a boy and I'm going to commit suicide um, if they, my parents don't let me change. And then the police turned up because she was on the website with all these other people and they said she's going to commit suicide. And then ultimately this child was taken away and she was put into a hostel with LGB people who uh, can hardly be expected to have said, no, you really are a girl and so forth. And the whole thing moved down from there. Now, with those, with the people that she was staying with, the, the ones she's now mixing with, they're very, very close to the law in some places, and they could easily come back and say, okay, uh, you tried to stop my natural uh, gender identity to the op opposite sex, and now I'm going to get revenge on you um, by making a, a criminal accusation. Easy. Well, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to split families. It's already splitting families. That's the tragedy of it. Well, they are truly anti-conversion laws, and uh, ACT likely to vote on this this coming week. Hey, we are taking calls. Let's hear from one listener, Union Jack from Sunbury in Victoria. Jack, welcome back. How do you do? Good, Long Jack. time no talk. It is a little <laughs> while. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, look, my thoughts are really... Um, uh, look, I'm thinking of the Castralto Choir. You see, uh, the Roman Catholic Church didn't want girls in the choir, so they gave the little boys a chop at puberty. And those little boys grew into giants, disfigured giants, and, you know, just the effects of it. And I'm just wondering, with this messing around with people's puberty... Because um, that is very recent. The last one just died in 1900, 1900 and something. Uh, I've got a tape recording of it. So if they did that, you know, uh, just to get it, just to get a nice, a nice little voice. That is, you know. But the fact is, they became giants and disfigured giants with no chance of having children. But I'm talking about the giant bit. I'm sure. Other listeners are going to talk about other Jack, stuff. Jack, you do raise something important here, I think. Uh, John Whitehall, uh, when Jack describes uh, those instances and perhaps, uh, you know, a, 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 a different idea of, uh, of what has happened historically when people have been castrated, uh, those sorts of issues no doubt uh, face the same, uh, face children today if, if they go through that process. Any thoughts for Jack? Let me just go back where, where this word conversion therapy became sort of abhorrent to them. It 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 grew out of um, coercive, aversive, that is to say, inflicting of pain on homosexual people at the same time as you showed them, say, a homosexual photograph of whatever, and you, the whole process then was designed to create an aversion, an internal aversion, and turn them away from homosexuality, for example. Now, I don't know how it began, but it uh, moved into f uh, inflicting pain, for example, by electro electrical shocks, uh, also making them vomiting and so forth. So nobody approves of this these days, uh, but and then it moved on, I, I understand, that hormones were given, uh, you would give them uh, female hormones if this was a male. And then I understand that sometimes they're even castrated. Now, um, nobody practices that in Australia. Uh, and to pass a law for something coercive and aversive like that, um, it, it's passing a law for something that doesn't exist. But that's how it got its bad name you you were using those intrusive painful torturous ways to convert a person back to ho to heterosexual attraction now there is an irony in all this an irony because who gives hormones these days it's those people who want to and I'll use our word this time convert the boy into a girl they give him um, the the hormones. They actually castrate as part of the surgical reorganization of the genitalia. So the ones who are in fact 
really intrusive, immense intrusion into the lives are in fact those people who want to affirm, now I'm using their confusing word, affirm the child into uh, a gender opposite to the one from which he was going to be born. That That's the irony of the matter. Now, whether is the voice involved? Well, yes, um, but usually it's uh, males who are going to become females. They've already entered puberty and their voice is now higher. Uh, they then go into, as well as taking the sex hormones for the rest of their lives, they go through periods of speech therapy. Uh, they may, in fact, have their larynx operated upon um, in order to try and get rid of the final evidence of having once been, uh, um, well, have, they're always a male in the sense that their chromosomes are always, you can't alter the chromosomes, but you can attempt to alter the external appearance. So, yes, uh, voice comes into it, especially... Males who are going to become females, you try and lower their voice. Okay. The female, when you put them onto estrogen, I understand there is a deepening of the voice because that causes the larynx to grow. Okay. That's a long answer, it convoluted is. answer, and a I convoluted want to, question. I want to thank uh, Jack for your call. Our talkback line remains open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's just dwell here for just a moment longer because uh, something you're raising here, which, uh, as you say, is an irony, uh, but this idea that once someone has gone through uh, all of the hormone blocking and then the uh, even the physical uh, surgical changes uh, to transition to be the opposite sex, then what follows is the lifetime commitment to the supervision of hormonal therapy and uh, the likely uh, psychological counselling that would need to accompany that. So what, what we're talking about here is a lifelong pursuit in what has to happen if someone were transitioning anyway. Any thoughts there, John? Oh, no, it's absolutely true. And you're giving the, we've already mentioned that put a male onto estrogen, the brain shrinks at a rate 10 times faster than aging after only four months. So this child is going to be on those hormones for the rest of its life. That's absolutely true. Uh, there is no research on this. This is entirely experimentation. They claim that this is science. This is not science. Uh, no one has followed those children on long, long enough just out of interest to see what happened to them. Um, it's it's all experiment. It's wishful thinking. It's utopian wishful thinking. Okay, there's a lot of people who've been making comments on our Facebook post today, and I'll just go back to the question that we're asking for listeners to respond to, and the question, should parents have any say in whether their five-year-old boy should be able to identify as a girl because this is what is in question in the ACT this week and this is what ACT legislators will likely be voting on. Well, let me just run through some of these and I haven't read through them all, but, uh, but Trevor says young children are not considered mature enough to drive, to drink, to vote or indulge in other activities that are considered adults, so they definitely do not have the ability to determine that they want to change their gender. Um, you know, people are thinking about children in all of this and the role of parents. Any thoughts for someone like Trevor and that comment, John? Well, yes, of course. Of course, it's, it's fatuous to argue that the child would be able to work out his ultimate gender and his ultimate procreative desires um, in, in itself at that age. But also, if you put them on the puberty blockers, then you're interfering uh, with the way the limbic system works according to the sheep studies and the limbic system uh, integrates emotions and memory and uh, volition and experience and so forth and comes up to us kind of an inner world view. You are interfering with that. And then also by putting on the blockers, you are interfering with the, with the sexualization, a primary sexualization process in the midbrain and the secondary sexualization uh, from from the sex hormones from the gonads and the testes. Everyone knows what happens in puberty. You get a rush of uh, testosterone, you get a rush of estrogen, and suddenly uh, the birds start singing and uh, the girls look beautiful or whatever. I mean, this is called sexual um, awakening. 
and it's a hormonal issue. Now, you, you can't expect them, if you block all of that, you can't expect them to work out whether they're girls or boys. It's biologically implausible. Okay, let me reflect on some more comments that are coming through. Angela says, I can't believe we even have to ask this question. Are we that stupid that we think a five-year-old can make such life-affecting decisions? And uh, this is there's an element of what Angela's saying there that rings true. Your thoughts for Angela? Yeah, the problem is that with the insertion of this doctrine into the schools and onto the web sites and other things, we can expect these children now to become confused. It's not unusual now. It's, it's a result, a determined result of the insertion of these programs in the schools that we are going to see the children. Well, you're your teachers there. You're not, not unnecessarily a boy. You're not necessarily a girl. You can be anywhere you, you want. Read this little book, whatever it is, the, the Fairy Queen or whatever. We can expect this confusion. There was no confusion before. The confusion has only come as the so-called safe skills programs have entered the schools, the websites and all that sort of stuff. It's a problem of making. Now, what a parent does with it when, when Jimmy comes home and says, you know, I, I think I'm a girl, that's another issue. But we, I think we can expect to have an increasing number of those problems. Okay. What can you do about it? Well, we, well the... the the epidemiology should be reassuring for starters that the majority, the vast majority of these children will grow out of it. Don't stand in the way of nature. Let puberty occur and so forth. And, and then you can expect an orientation in accordance with their chromosomes. Beverly says, in response to the Facebook question, where is the constitutional authority for these governments to override parental authority? Have you been addressing that question? Uh, oh, yes. No, no. You should, they should read um, what's got in front of me here, the discussion, uh, put the explanatory statement put out by the ACT government, uh, wherein they take various aspects of the Human Rights Act and they reinterpret this uh, in the light of their ideology of gender fluidity and say that the needs of that ideology transcend the traditional human rights. For example, the right to privacy, doing your own home. This is, this is restricted. This is reduced um, if the state gets the whisper that in that family home, uh, people are practicing so-called conversion therapy on their children. Or you could even say um, suggesting sexual restraint as a behavior or modification. You could even say that. So they're talking about that. The freedom for travel, that's a, that's a constitutional right. But they say that this will be restricted and you, you, you will not you'll go to jail. If you attempt to take your child out of Canberra, uh, to avoid the so-called affirmation uh, hormonal treatment. You try and escape to New South Wales, 12 months jail. Mm. So they've transcended the right to travel. They've transcended the right to freedom of speech. Very soon we won't be able to have this conversation if it all goes according to plan. Because back there in Victoria where they were discussing this, uh, the issue came out that public broadcasting which is basically anti-conversion therapy, is kind of what we're doing, must be stopped. So there will be the freedom, right for freedom of education. The schools will not be able to teach this stuff. They will not be able to say this is nonsense. Everyone is either a boy or a girl or whatever. They will be obliged to teach this. I forgot the name of that funny fairy that's not a boy or a girl, but anyway. Uh, yeah, the uh, gender fairy, I think it is. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> so they'll have to, if they want their funding, they'll have to say something. They won't be able to say there's no neither boys or girls. Restriction, um, there will be a restriction on education there. There will become a restriction in universities. 
Now, the minute I go to a university, and I haven't actually lectured on this, all I have actually, but uh, in a way, but you won't be able to say to medical students, everything is wrong. You, you, you used to do anatomy and you used to find female anatomy and you used to find male anatomy and now forget all that because it, 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 somewhere, people are somewhere in between. We're, they're, they're, that is not in the books. I'm just saying. I'm just extrapolating. But you know, when you start to interfere with education, where does it end? And they've already said down there a year or two back in Victoria with the Labor Party when they were discussing this, there will have to be a restriction on public broadcasts. That is to say, public education. What we are doing now is is, is uh, public education. Well. Mind you, it's already behind the scenes. You know, there's a thing called the Australian Health Practitioners Regulation Agency, and that's my registering body. Now, they are considering, they put out a putative code of conduct last year and asked for suggestions, and basically it was, and I'll try and quote it, a medical practitioner may be deemed unprofessional if he or she makes public statements differing from the alleged uh, belief of the college and brings um, the profession into disrepute by undermining public confidence. And it goes on to say that a person may be medically, uh, may be unprofessional if he or she makes statements that cause um, loss of, well, basically people to feel threatened. Now, like we we have said confrontational things here in, in, in this, this is really unpopular what we are saying in canberra for example you you one step two step one week one year whatever uh, this could easily be defined as with public um, broadcasting which is bringing uh, the whole thing into disrepute and i am then registered deregistered well and, uh, I know, and uh, listeners uh, will know uh, quite acutely that, you know, there may be a time when we are restricted in having a conversation like this. So good to have this conversation while uh, we believe we are allowed to have this conversation. But look, I'm just hearkening back. We're running short of time, but hearkening back to a conversation I had last week where we were talking about universities and the idea that Australian universities are likely to become the laughing stock of the world because how can you trust any research that comes from a university if researchers are afraid to tell the truth? Uh, so there is a certain sense in which the credibility of all of our educational institutions is plummeting as this sort of thing takes a hold. Hey, look, let's take one more call. Greg is on the line from Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Greg. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Um, just in, in relationship to your... Um conversation that we were talking about the chromosomes and the uh, the boy and the girl chromosomes. Yep. I believe what they're trying to do there is they're trying to stop the bastardry that takes place between the mums and the dads that wish they had a boy or a girl or vice versa. And the same in the schools. You know, it's frightening, I know, but I, I really believe that's what's behind it. Well, I don't that's... think the government means anything malicious <laughs> towards towards our freedom of living, our liberty and all that sort of thing. Well, you raise a really significant sideline point there, the idea that where you've got sex-selective abortion, they wouldn't be able to do that anymore. Uh, a very quick response for Greg, uh, John. No, well, it's sadly it's, it's known. There are papers out there that show that there's a higher rate of personality disorder in the parents' of children who are seeking to change one way or another and certainly his there is an australian study going back about 20 years in which uh, the boys wanted to become girls uh, when you looked at it it was the mother who'd been badly treated by a male uh, she found the little boy much more attractive in a dress he learned very rapidly the way to, wear, to bring a smile to mum's face is to wear the dress one thing led to another and the boy was being uh, brought up as a girl now, when the child was separated from the mother, you couldn't do that these days, um, they, the writer said there, there was a, uh, it, they reorient and put them with ordinary children, there was a reorientation to their natural gender in a remarkably quick time. Okay. Greg, thank you so much for your call. We have run out of time, but I do like to point listeners uh, where they can go to take things 
uh, even deeper than what we've been talking about. In some sense, we're just scratching the surface on some of the issues at hand and some of the depth that you're able to deliver, John. And there is a website that has videos and testimonies and connections for people who even want to be part of a bigger research project on the issues at hand uh, so far as this conversion therapy goes. Let me give the website. It's freetochange.org. Freetochange.org. So uh, if you're simply Googling that, freetochange.org or www.freetochange.org and videos and testimonies. Some of those videos are you bringing some deeper expression to some of the things we're talking about. Uh, John, uh, you'd be familiar with what's on that website. Uh, worthwhile for oh, listeners oh, to yes. visit. Yes, uh, this is going to be a very, very uh, provocative study because what it shows is that people... Uh, these are adults, and we haven't talked about adults yet, that adults are capable of change. What the, the anti-conversion people are saying that sex at that stage is immutable. You cannot change your identity if you either way. And this study, um, it's a remarkable study done in Australia. Um, it's uh, well over 50 cor- correspondents. Uh, people have identified themselves and so forth. And they have said, yes. I have changed. This is not going to be a popular study. Mm. But uh, it supports, you see, let me just finish on this, that one aspect of the ACT legislature, if you're an adult what they're, and you're confused, you, you are suffering from unwanted um, mental stress, from unwanted sexual preoccupations, you, you will not be able to seek relief. Or, or no one will be allowed to give you relief. And what what we are saying is that an adult should have the right to seek and receive help from counsellors, pastors, whoever, uh, from unwanted sexual preoccupations. That, too, will be banned and criminalised in ACT. And, the and Ed's, Ed's story show Ed's stories are testimony by over fifty people. In fact, that people can change. Mm, okay, free to change.org is that website. Professor John Whitehall, thank you so much for taking some time to clarify these issues. And uh, uh, listeners will be able to uh, see more of you on those videos and through testimonies, freetochange.org. John Whitehall, thanks so much for uh, giving us this update. And uh, and I guess if people were to visit the Australian uh, Christian Medical and Dental uh, Fellowship, they'd also get some more detail here too. But uh, thank you so much for your outstanding insights today here on 2020. You're welcome. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.